Now, this morning, as always, I have an amazing treat for you um, in the speaker this morning, in our, uh, the one that's bringing the word of God. And this morning, in this morning's service, Eric Gilmore also spoke. And how many of you love Eric Gilmore? Okay, I'll tell you what, in our, in our boot camp, in our conferences, in the church, he is one of the most requested speakers. And he is one of the people that I get the most incredible feedback on because when, whenever he preaches, it's just life-changing. And I just want you to understand that Eric is not, even though he travels, that's why he's not here every week. He and his wife, Brooke, they're all over the country and all over the world. I think they were in London last week ministering. But he is not just a guest speaker when he comes here. He is a pastor here at Nations Church. He is a leader at this church, and he is one of the founding members. I mean, when Nations Church was still a dream, he was part of the leadership. And so um, he comes into this context not only with a great teaching, but I, I believe really with the word of the Lord to deposit something into our community. Amen? And I want to just encourage you because he's going to, he, he often does this. He's going to preach a different message in the second service than he preached in the first service. But I'm telling you, that first service message was unbelievable. It was a life-changing. How many of you were here and you heard it and you would say, you need to go back. To anybody that wasn't here in first service, go back and listen to it. Usually we only post the second service online, but I've asked our team to post the first service too so that you can go back if you weren't here and listen to it. And you really need to do that. But I'm excited to hear what the Lord has to say from one of my very favorite preachers in the world, one of my best friends. I know Pastor Russ is one of Pastor Russ's best friends as well and one of our leaders here at Nations Church. Would you help me welcome Eric Gilmore as he comes? Praise God. Well, I'm so excited to share with you today because I know who I'm with. I'm with people who are madly in love with Jesus Christ. So I'm, I've come to pluck the 10 strings of your being today and preach Jesus Christ unto you. How many of you know you can't hear enough of the man Christ Jesus? He's inexhaustible. And not only this, but the more you hear of him, the more you have the opportunity to place faith in him and be transformed by the sight of him. Praise God, right? Well, I wrote this poem down to start to, to just remind us what the gospel and the Christian life is in and of itself. I'll start with this poem. When I present to God my minister's life that he gave unto me to proclaim Christ, if I proclaimed other things more than him, treating his son as if he was dim, their memory will be gone, their relevance vanished, for they will theme no song, for they left men famished. While the shafts of light that flow from his face reveal to my sight all that time was a waste if I preached myself and self-centered quests and Christ was withheld. Oh, the worst of regrets. When I finally put this body away, I don't want to stand there on that day, seeing all eyes fixed on this man, worshipped by angels in a heavenly land, and I gave little honor to this one glorified and emphasized things more than him who died. I want to talk to you today about Christ, specifically the heavenly Elijah. We're going to look at Elijah's life 
and then see how Christ trumps him in every way. Praise God. But before I can ever speak about the heavenly Elijah, I must first touch on the earthly Elijah. I don't know if you know this, but the name Elijah is pretty incredible. It means Yahweh is God. It's a declaration. I mean, if you know anything about Elijah, you read any of the accounts of his life, you know that his whole life declares that truth. Yahweh is God. There is no other. Everything that he exudes, he literally is unyielding. Yahweh is God, he proclaims. His blood seems to boil against tolerating idols. That's what Elijah is. No other God but Yahweh. Praise God. That moves me to see a man who is so yielded to God that he is overcome to the point of anger towards competition. Elijah declares Yahweh is God. It's non-negotiable that he is one of the greatest prophets to ever step foot on the planet. Wouldn't you agree? He's at the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses. Some people believe he's going to come back in the end. <laughs> Elijah is literally like few other people. The scripture shows us that he is so great that when Jesus shows up on the scene and he's performing these astronomical miracles, their conclusion is Elijah must be back. That's the kind of power that Elijah walked in. He's extremely interesting to me because there's no record of his father or his mother. The guy just literally pops up on the scene possessed by God, this guy Elijah. He's radical, he's uncompromising, he's a flame. His nickname is the troubler of Israel. <laughs> he's not invited to the prophets' conferences. <laughs> He's the troubler of Israel. The king of Israel actually calls him, oh, you troubler of Israel. In other words, he's, he's so ostracized that he thinks he's the only prophet left because he's not included in, in the mix. It's because he's the troubler of Israel. Why? Because he will not tolerate or play games with idols. If you play with idols, Elijah's not your boy. Elijah is radical. You know, there's something interesting about Elijah I think is, is incredible. Yes, he calls out sin, for sure. But the thing that really moves me about him is each time he prophesies, he says this statement. He talks about God, and then he says, before whom I stand. Before whom I stand. That's the presence of God in his life. When Jesus or God speaks from the heavens, we say God spoke from the heavens and tells Elijah, I have 7,000 other prophets besides you. But he describes them a certain way. God says, these are prophets that have not bowed the knee to Baal. They're have-nots. Their Christianity, their prophet life is summed up in what they don't do. They're just have-nots. Elijah's different than them because he stands before God. I say this because a lot of Christians base their Christianity on what they don't do anymore. You're just a half-have-not Christian. I don't do that or this or the other anymore. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is standing before God. It's his presence. Religion is presenceless devotion. 
devoted to God without his presence. These have-not prophets are different than the prophet who stands before Yahweh. Praise God. Elijah is unique. In Luke, Elijah is associated with two words, spirit and power. That's incredible to me. Leonard Ravenhill once said that a man's life can be condensed into two volumes, maybe even one volume, but he says, I believe Elijah's life can be summed up in two words. He prayed. He prayed. Maybe the two words spirit and power are because he prayed. Elijah is a man of prayer. Interesting things that he does by the supernatural power of God, he perpetually multiplies the widow's meal. Her bread is always there. She eats some and it's there. She eats some and it's there. She eats some. That's like magic. That's incredible. But this man is not from Marvel movies. This is an actual human being whose life is lived before God, and he's able to multiply this bread. Pretty amazing. He takes a dead boy up to the upper room and brings him back down alive. Elijah literally prays, and the climate of the country changes for three and a half years. Then he prays again, and rain falls from the sky. He supernaturally outruns horses for 31 straight miles. He's not Captain America. This is a man who is literally possessed by God, a real living man. This is not a fairy tale. This man was filled with God, running 31 straight miles, faster than horses. That's incredible. He's taken up into heaven by a chariot. This man is extremely unique. But like all other men, he has a weak point. Jezebel threatens his life and he wants to skip death by her hand. Interesting as well that he's able to do something most people did not do. He passes on his mantle to Elisha successfully to continue on his ministry. Very interesting. As a matter of fact, the mantle that he passes to Elisha, he would wrap around his face and pray with. It's indicative to me of him passing on his prayer life to Elisha. That's why he was able to cap capture the spirit and power because he learned he prayed. A man of, of prayer. Interesting that Elisha lays down Elijah's mantle on the river and crosses from east to west. That's incredible. But the most famous moment in Elijah's life, everybody knows this moment, is when he calls all of Israel and all the prophets of Baal and everyone that eats at Jezebel's table to Mount Carmel like a magic, like a, like a massive stadium. He calls everybody to come witness. And he stands up with an unyielding holy fury and he draws a line in the sand. And he says, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If God is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. The line is drawn in the sand. As you know the story, he calls fire down out of the sky and licks up all the water on the altar while they leap and, and cry and cut and groan and they can't get their, their God to do anything. It's so funny to me that Elijah likes to mock their God. It's so funny. He's probably, you know, he's sitting there, he's looking at them trying to, maybe you should scream a little louder. He might be deaf. He's probably sleeping. Maybe he's relieving himself. I don't know what he's doing. He went on a walk. He's just mocking him. I love that. 
This is the kind of radical devotion, faith, and trust, and power Elijah's walking in. I think that's pretty incredible. But the word Elijah uses when he says, follow, if God is God, follow him. The word he uses comes from Deuteronomy chapter 13. This is pretty incredible. When God tells Israel to reject idols completely, and he associates following him, this is Deuteronomy chapter 13, God associates following him and rejecting idols with these things. Loving the Lord with all their hearts, following him and fearing him, keeping his commandments, listening to his voice, serving him and clinging to him. Interesting that the word used there for cling is the same word for marriage, being married to God, dedicated and completely given over to God. So Elijah says, if God is God, then love him. If God is God, then give him all your heart. If God is God, then serve him with everything you are and marry him. As a matter of fact, when he says, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? You can look at the Hebrew wording there. I learned this from a Hebrew scholar. I'm no scholar. But he says, it's, it's, the imagery is a bird jumping from a branch to another branch. I want to serve God today. I'm going to serve Baal tomorrow. I'm going to serve God today. I'm going to serve myself tomorrow. It's He's like, what are you doing? Pick one. Elijah draws a line in the sand. Praise God. He calls that fire down from heaven. What an incredible man. You know, one rabbi that I listened to, he said that Elijah was given the ability to suspend two of the four elements of man. For instance, man is made up of, of earth and water, intellect and spirit. And he says that God gave Elijah the ability to suspend earth and water, those things that are uh, restricted to gravity and move around super quick. I thought that was interesting, but I think James destroys that whole idea when he says, Elijah was a man just like you and me, and he prayed, and God heard him, showing us that the power is not Elijah himself. It is God and a life of prayer before God. I thought that was interesting. But now, my favorite part, let us now turn our eyes higher to the heavenly Elijah, because he who's from above is above all. You pick a man, any of them. Jesus comes from above and is above all. Tonight, today, I want to be like a child reaching for a star. And though I may not grasp Christ completely, hopefully I can reach for that star high enough that you may look up to see what I'm reaching for this morning. And you may look at Jesus. So the first thing that I want to point out is this. Elijah's name, yes, means Yahweh is God. See, Elijah might have pointed men's eyes to God, but Jesus is the sight of God. You see Jesus, you see God, period. Elijah has no record of father and mother. Yeah, that's very interesting. But Jesus can say before Elijah was, before Abraham was, before the circle of the earth was formed, before all things, I was. You look at Elijah and you think it's incredible. He calls out sin, but Jesus doesn't just call out sin. He takes away the sin of the world, praise God. See, Elijah multiplied the widow's bread, but Jesus gives himself to us as daily bread. He's multiplying himself constantly for your nourishment, giving himself to you. Praise God, I love that, the bread that comes down from heaven. Yes, Elijah takes a dead boy up to the upper room and he brings him back down alive, but Jesus sent his spirit to the upper room and gave humanity life again. Praise God. 
Yeah, maybe Elijah calls rain out of the sky, but Jesus pours out the spirit from on high. He says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We know that from the scriptures, the kind of rain that falls when Jesus prays is this. I will open rivers in high places, fountains in the midst of the valley. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. When Jesus prays, the earth drowns. Elijah mocked Baal. I think that's very interesting. But Jesus led captivity captive. You say, what does that mean? It means the one who was captivating people, Jesus captivated, captured him. The one who was grabbing a hold of people's lives and running, Jesus says, I'm taking the captiver captive. And then not only does he do that, the scripture says that he parades him down the street, conquered by the cross. Jesus disarmed all rulers, all authorities. Praise God. Much more than mockery, Jesus makes Satan look like foolery. So much so that in that great day, when Jesus is seen purely and Satan is seen, they'll say, is this the man that troubled the nations? Are you next to Christ? This is puny dung. (laughs) Praise God. So Elijah was a great warrior, and this is the symmetry of Christ. I'm going to go to the other side of the beauty of Jesus that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Elijah was a great warrior prophet. He slayed 450, and then 400 on top of that, 850 prophets with a single sword. That's pretty incredible. But Jesus Christ's robe is dipped in blood, and with the breath of his mouth, he slays the Antichrist and the dragon and the devil. What in the world is that? He needs no weapon. He speaks and it's over. Let me just save, save you the suspense. There's no, there's no, the, the kingdom of, the, 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 God's throne is not under sieged. Let me just tell you that. He's winning and he always wins. Everything is orchestrated by his own hand. There's, it's not a competition like God is trying, oh, let me, let me see if I can overcome the devil. The thing's arranged. It's done. Jesus wins by breathing, Period. It's just just to save you the suspense. Elijah outruns horses. That's really incredible. But Jesus is called the forerunner of our faith who runs into the Holy of Holies. And he doesn't just run by himself. Elijah ran alone. Jesus runs with the people behind him to bring them into the Holy of Holies to live there and enjoy God forever. Elijah went up, but Jesus came down. Elijah ran from Jezebel. You know that? Elijah ran from Jezebel. You know what the scripture says Jesus will do with the spirit of Jezebel? Cast her on a bed of affliction, kill her children. So that all the world will know he's the one who tries the minds and the hearts. Praise God. That's incredible to me. That's beauty. We can't look at that side of Christ and say that's not beautiful. No, that's beautiful. He cuts the cancer of sin and death out. Mercilessly. Praise God. So Elijah successfully passed his mantle on to Elisha, but Jesus clothes you with his own robes of righteousness. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Elijah's mantle was laid on the river and they crossed from east to west, but Jesus laid down his life and you cross into glory from death. Jesus trumps him in every way. And you want to know a line that's just so incredible to me? Elijah, yes, in his pinnacle of ministry, he calls fire down from heaven as a line drawn in the sand that Yahweh is God. Jesus says in Luke 12, 49, I've come to set the, 
the earth on fire. What is that? He's trying to tell you, I'm the heavenly Elijah. You may have great opinions of Elijah, but I've come not to set an altar on fire. I'm lighting, I'm lighting this whole place on fire. Jesus calls down fire that consumes the earth. He's the heavenly Elijah drawing a line in the sand. And his declaration is not, if God be God, follow him. His declaration is, I am God, follow me. Jesus draws that line in the sand. I'm telling you right now, if, if Elijah was here, maybe you're asking yourself, Eric, this is cool. I know Elijah's inferior to Christ, but what does this have to do with my life? Well, let me just say it to you like this. If Elijah was here with his burning eyes and bloody sword and Viking-like voice, he would say to you, how long are you going to compromise? He would say, how long are you going to play religious games? Elijah, standing up here, he would say, how long will you tinker with sin and flirt with the enemy? He would say, how long are you going to dine with the devil and then run back and dine with the Lord? Elijah would draw a line in the sand, and he would say, how long are you going to look to find in other people what can only be found in God? Elijah would stand up here, draw a line in the sand, calling fire from heaven, and he would say this, how long are you going to look to find in things what can only be found in God? Elijah would stand here, and he'd say, Israel repented when I called fire down from heaven. Are you not going to repent when Jesus has come to the earth? My heart burns talking about these things. And I say, if God is God, let's follow him. Let's love him the way he deserves to be loved, which is with all the heart. No other loves, no toleration of other lovers, no flirtation with other things, not playing around or messing around, but giving our lives completely over to him. Christ is God. Let us love him, follow him, fear him, listen to him, serve him. See, maybe you're here right now and you're hearing all this. And you know in your heart of hearts something that nobody else really knows. And it's that you know you're not loving God with all your heart. You know you have a love for the Lord, but you don't love the Lord. As Hudson Taylor wrote, many love him truly, but not only. Maybe you're here and you have a love for Jesus but it's not an all-consuming love for Jesus. I say Jesus has come to bring fire on the earth and draw a line in the sand and say, give me all your love. Maybe you're here and you've been serving two masters. Maybe you serve money. It rules your life, but yet you serve God too. You're like, I wanna serve God, but yet I, I'm also worried about money. Listen, you can't serve two masters. The line's been drawn in the sand. Jesus has set the earth ablaze. I say abandon all other pursuits, all other eclipsing pursuits. Maybe you're here right now and you feel like you haven't clung to the Lord, meaning you haven't married him. I want to encourage you. Let, let not another day go by. that You don't respond to the heavenly Elijah and get on his side and lay on your face before him and say, I will follow you, Lord. I remember Keith Green was asked what the gospel was. And he said, the gospel is simply this. Jesus will forgive all your sins. If you come to him humbly, lay down at his feet and say, you're the Lord, and I'll follow you the rest of my life on earth so that I can have eternity with you in the glory of your Father. It's everything or nothing. It's all or nothing at all. I guess what I'm saying is this. If you've been playing around, 
How many more sermons you got to hear? If you've been playing around, how many more Sundays have to roll away wasted? If you've been messing around, straddling the fence, and going from side to side and branch to branch, how many graves must be dug before you're sobered? If we've gathered here today and our hearts are not resolutely in love and given to Christ, then we've gathered just to sing lies. Say, Eric, what are you trying to say? I'm saying we need to cry out to God and say, Lord, give me an undivided heart that I might fear you and love you like you deserve to be loved. No more games, no more playing, no more tossing and turning, no more here, there, today, tomorrow. Will you stand to your feet with me? I hope it's clear to you that God today exalting the heavenly Elijah brings us to a moment of conclusion which is to look in our hearts and say what is it that I have not given to you? What is it that has more of my attention than you? Your presence. Maybe you're a have not Christian. Your confidence is in what you don't do anymore. But you don't know what it is to live and walk in his presence. I called you in light of the heavenly Elijah. I said, let's live in the presence of God and enjoy his presence. Let that be everything to us. Just put your hand on your heart with me. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, here's my heart. I open it to you. Show me. Any area that I have been compromising, show me tolerations, things that I've just let go on. Show me, Lord, where it's not been all. I come to you today. I want to freshly lay down my life. Turn from all sin. Turn from all selfishness. Turn from managing my own life. I want to respond to the fire that Christ has called to the earth and worship only God. In your precious name. Amen.